to stand up. So Leviticus chapter 13, beginning in verse one. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, when a man has uh, on the skin of his body a swelling or a scab or a bright spot and it becomes an infection of leprosy on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest or to one of the sons of the priests. And the priest shall look at the mark on the skin of the body. And if the hair in the infection has turned white and the infection appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is an infection of leprosy. And the priest has looked at it. He shall pronounce him unclean. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body and it does not appear to be deeper than the skin and the hair on it has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate him who has an infection for seven days. And the priest shall look at him on the seventh day. And in his eyes, the infection has not changed and the infection has not spread on the skin. And the priest shall isolate him for seven more days. Just as an aside, uh, quarantine's not new to us. Just want to throw that out there for you. So the priest shall look at him again. And on the seventh day, and if the infection has faded and the mark has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It was only a scab. And he shall wash his clothes and he shall be clean. But if the scab spreads farther on the skin after he has shown himself to be the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again to the priest and the priest shall look. And if the scab has spread on his skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. When the infection of leprosy is on the man, then he shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall then look. And if there is a white swelling in the skin and if um, has turned the hair white, And there's quick raw flesh in the swelling. Then it is chronic leprosy on the skin of his body. And the priest shall pronounce him unclean and he shall isolate himself for he is unclean. And if the leprosy breaks out farther on the skin and the leprosy covers all the skin of him who has the infection from his head, even to his feet, as far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look and behold, if the leprosy has covered all of his body, he shall pronounce clean him who has the infection. It is all turned white and he is clean. But whenever raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. The priest shall look at the raw flesh and shall pronounce him unclean. The raw flesh is unclean. It is leprosy. Or if the raw flesh turns again and is changed to white, then he shall come to the priest and the priest shall look at him. And behold, if the infection has turned to white, then the priest shall pronounce him clean who has the infection. He is clean. And when the body has a boil on it or on the skin and it has healed, And the place of the boil is a a white swelling or a reddish white bright spot. And then it shall be shown to the priest and the priest shall look and behold, if it appears to be lower than the skin and the hair on it has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean is infection of leprosy. It has broken out in the boil. But if the priest looks at it and behold, there is no white hairs in it and it is not lower than the skin and it has faded, then the priest shall isolate him for seven days. And if it spreads farther on the skin and the priest shall pronounce him unclean, it is an infection. But if the bright spot remains in place and does not spread, it is only a scar of the boil. The priest shall pronounce him clean. Or if the body sustains in its skin a burn by fire and raw flesh of the burn becomes a bright spot, reddish or white or white, then the priest shall look at it. And if the hair in the bright spot has turned white and appears to be deeper than the skin, it is leprosy. It is broken out in the burn. Therefore, The priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an infection of leprosy. But if the priest looks at it and indeed there is no white hair in the bright spot and it's not deeper than the skin, but is dim, then the priest shall isolate him for seven days and the priest shall look at him on the seventh day. If it spreads farther on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an infection of leprosy. But if the bright spot remains in its place and has not spread on the skin, but is dim, it is the swelling from the burn and the priest shall pronounce him clean for it is only the scar of the burn. 
Now, if a man or a woman has an infection on the head or on the beard, and the priest shall look at the infection, and if it appears deeper than the skin, and has yellow, uh, thin yellowish hair in it, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a scale, it is a leprosy of the head or of the beard. But if the priest looks in the infection of the scale, and indeed it appears no deeper than the skin, and there is no black hair in it, then the priest shall isolate that person with the scaly infection for seven days. And on the seventh day, the priest shall look at the infection, and if the scale has not spread and no yellowish hair has grown in it, and the appearance of the scale is not deeper than the skin, then he shall shave himself, but he shall not shave the scale. And the priest shall isolate the person with the scale seven more days. And on the seventh day, the priest shall look at the scale, and if the scale has not spread in the skin and appears to be no deeper than the skin, the priest shall pronounce him clean, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean." But if the scale spreads farther in the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall look at him. And if the scale has spread in the skin and the priest need not seek for yellow hair, he is unclean. And if in his sight the scale has remained, however, and the black hair has grown in it, the scale has healed, he is clean, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. When a man or a woman has bright spots on the skin of the body, even white bright spots, and when the priest shall look, and if the bright spots on the skin or of their bodies are faint white, it is eczema that is broken out on the skin. He is clean. Now, if a man loses the hair of his head, he is bald. He is clean. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I mean, I get a pass for being clean. Just automatic. It's bald. It's a great benefit. If his head becomes bald at the front and the sides, he is bald on the forehead. He is clean. But if he is, but if on the bald head or on the bald forehead, there occurs a reddish white infection. It is leprosy breaking out on his bald head or on his bald forehead. Then the priest shall look at him, and if the swelling of the infection is reddish white on his bald head or on his bald forehead, like the appearance of leprosy of the skin on the body, he is a leprous man, he is unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean, his infection is on the head. As for the leper who has the infection, uh, his clothes shall be torn, and the hair of his head shall be covered, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. And he shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection, he is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp. And I just want you to pause there. We have several more verses to read, but I want you to file away verses 45 and 46. They're very significant for the sermon later. And when a garment has a mark of leprosy in it, whether it's a wool garment or a linen garment, whether in war or wolf or linen or of wool, whether in leather or any article made of leather, if the mark is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the leather or in the warp or in the wolf, or in the article of leather, it is a leprous mark and shall be shown to the priest. Then the priest shall look at the mark and shall quarantine the article with the mark for seven days. And then he shall look upon the mark on the seventh day. And if the mark is spread in the garment, whether in the warp or in the wolf or in the leather, whatever the purpose for which the leather is used, the mark is a leprous malignancy. It is unclean. And so he shall burn the garment, whether the warp or the wolf or in the wool or the linen or any article of leather which the mark occurs. For it is a leprous malignancy. It shall be burned in the fire. But if the priest shall look and indeed the mark has not spread in the garment, either in the warp or the wolf or any article of leather, then the priest shall order them to wash the things in which the mark occurs and he shall quarantine it for seven more days. After the article with the mark has been washed, the priest shall look again. And if the mark has not changed in its appearance, even though the mark has not spread, it is unclean. You shall burn it with fire, whether uh, an eating away has produced bareness on the top of it or on the front of it. Then if the priest and, uh, and if the priest looks and if the mark has faded after it has been washed, then he shall tear it out of the garment or out of the leather, whether from the warp or the wolf, 
And it appears again in the garment, whether in the warp or the woof or any article of leather. It is an outbreak. The article with the mark shall be burned in the fire. The garment, whether the warp or the woof or any article of leather from which the mark has departed when you washed it, it shall be washed a second time and it shall be clean. This is the law for the mark of leprosy in a garment of wool or linen, whether in the warp or in the woof or in any article of leather for pronouncing it clean or unclean. And then when we get to chapter 14, it's the laws related to declaring a leper clean after they had been declared unclean. And then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leopard in the day of his cleansing. Now he shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go outside of the camp. Thus the priest shall look, and if the infection of leprosy has been healed in the leper, then the priest shall give orders to take two live clean birds and a a cedar wood and a scarlet string and hyssop for the one who is to be cleansed. And the priest shall also give orders to slay the one bird in an earthen well vessel over running water. As for the live bird, he shall take it together with the cedar wood and the scarlet string and the hyssop and shall dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was slain over the running water. And he shall then sprinkle seven times the one who is to be cleansed from the leprosy and shall pronounce him clean. And and he shall let the live bird go free over the open field. And the one to be cleansed shall then wash his clothes and shave off all all of his hair and bathe in water and be clean. Now afterwards he may enter the camp, but he shall stay outside of his tent for seven days. And it will be on the seventh day that he will shave off all of his hair and shall shave his head and his beard and his eyebrows, even all of his hair. And he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and be clean. Now on the eighth day, he's to take two male lambs without defect, a yearling ewe lamb without defect, three tents and ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering and one log of oil. And the priest who pronounces him clean shall present the man to be cleansed with the aforesaid um, uh, before the Lord. A doorway of the tent of the meeting. And then the priest shall take the one male lamb and bring it for a guilt offering. And with the log of oil, present them as a wave offering before the Lord. Next, he shall slaughter the male lamb in the place where they slaughter the sin offering and the burnt offering. At the place of the sanctuary for the guilt offering. Like the sin offering, belongs to, it belongs to the priest. It is most holy. And the priest shall then take some of the blood of the guilt offering. And the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one who is to be cleansed. And on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. And I just want to pause here because we're not going to discuss it in great detail. But I want you to note that they're anointing the cleansed leper in the same way that they anointed the altar previously when they would make a similar sacrifice. And so that's just something worth noting that's happening here. The priest shall also take some of the log of the oil. And pour it into his left palm and the priest shall then dip his right hand finger into the oil that is uh, in his left palm and with his finger sprinkle some of the oil seven times before the Lord. And of the remaining oil, which is in his palm, the priest shall put some on the right earlobe of the one being cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on his big toe of his right foot on the blood of the guilt offering. And while the rest of the oil that is in the priest's palm, he shall put on the head of the one who is to be cleansed. So the priest shall make an atonement on his behalf before the Lord. And the priest shall next offer the sin offering and make atonement for the one to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Then afterward, he shall slaughter the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer up the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus, the priest shall make an atonement for him and he will be clean. But if he is poor and his means are insufficient, 
then he is to take one male lamb for a guilt offering as a wave offering to make atonement for him, one-tenth an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering and a log of oil, and two turtle doves or two young pigeons which are within his means. The one shall be a sin offering, the other shall be a burnt offering. Then the eighth day after he shall bring them for his cleansing to the priest at the doorway of the tent of meeting before the Lord. And the priest shall take the lamb of the guilt offering and the log of oil, and the priest shall offer them for a wave offering before the Lord. Next, he shall slaughter the lamb of the guilt offering and the priest is to take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall also pour some of the oil into his left palm and with his right hand finger, the priest shall sprinkle some of the oil that in his left palm seven times before the Lord. And the priest shall then put some of the oil that is in the palm of the lobe of the right ear on the one to be cleansed and on the right uh, on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. And on the place where the blood of the guilt offering is. Moreover, the rest of the oil that is in the priest's palm, he shall put on the head of the one to be cleansed to make an atonement on his behalf before the Lord. He shall then offer one of the turtle doves or young pigeons, which are within his means. And he shall offer what he can afford, the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering, together with the grain offering, so that the priest shall make atonement before the Lord on behalf of the one to be cleansed. This is the law of him for whom the infection of leprosy, whose means are limited for his cleansing. And the Lord further spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When you enter into the land of Canaan, which I give you for possession, and I put a mark of leprosy on the house in the land of your possession, then the one who owns the house shall come and tell the priest, saying, Something like a mark of leprosy has become visible to me within the house. And the priest shall then command that that house uh, they empty uh, before the priest and goes in to look at the mark so that everything in the house need not become unclean. And afterward, the priest shall go in and look at the house. And so he shall look at the mark. And if the mark on the walls of the house has a greenish or reddish depressions and appears deeper than the surface, then the priest shall come out of the house to the doorway and to the quarantine the house for seven days. And the priest shall return on the seventh day uh, and, make after, and make an inspection. And if the mark indeed has spread in the walls of the house, the priest shall order them to tear out the stones with the mark in them and throw them away at an unclean place outside of the city. And he shall have the house scraped uh, all around inside, and they shall dump the plaster that they scrape off at an unclean place outside of the city. And then they shall take other stones and replace those stones, and he shall take other plaster and replaster the house. If, however, the mark breaks out again in the house after he's torn out the stones and scraped the house and after it has been replastered, then the priest shall come in and make an inspection. And if he sees that the mark has indeed spread in the house, it is a malignant mark in the house that is unclean. He shall therefore tear down the house, its stones and its timbers, all the plaster of the house, and he shall take them outside of the city to an unclean place. Moreover, whoever goes into the house during the time of its quarantine, it has been quarantined, becomes unclean until evening. Likewise, whoever lies down in the house shall wash his clothes. Whoever eats in the house shall also wash his clothes. If, on the other hand, the priest comes in and, the, and makes an inspection and the mark has not indeed spread in the house after the house has been replastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean because the mark has not reappeared. To cleanse the house, then, he shall take two birds and cedar wood and a scarlet string and hyssop. He shall slaughter the one bird in an earthen vessel over running water. And then he shall take the cedar wood and the hyssop and the scarlet string and the live bird and dip them into the blood of the slain bird as well as the running water and sprinkle the house seven times. He shall thus cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and with the running water along with the live bird and the cedar wood with the uh, hyssop and the scarlet string. However, he shall let the live bird go free outside of the city into the open field. 
So he shall make an atonement for the house and it will be clean. For this is the law for any mark of leprosy, even for a scale and for the leprous garment and for a house and for a swelling and for a scab and for a bright spot to teach when they are unclean and when they are clean. This is the law of leprosy. And so what we need to note here, as the title of the sermon indicates, and this is where we'll move to quickly, is that Jesus is a friend of the leper. So just to kind of run through chapters 13 and 14, sort of in a a synopsis summary kind of way. In the Hebrew mind, we need to ask the question, what is leprosy? Like what, what is, what are they talking about when they're talking about leprosy? We know in our modern medical context, officially what leprosy is. Horrible, horrible, very contagious skin disease. And so, but is that all that they're talking about? The answer is quite obviously no. That's not the only thing that they're talking about. Because there's a host of various infectious skin diseases and other kinds of things that seem to fall under this category. The technical Hebrew word for leprosy actually means mildew. That's what it means. Mold or mildew is what it means. But it's applied most regularly to like a mold or a mildew that appears on a person as a skin disease. So it covers a very large gamut of kinds of skin diseases that a person can have. So in a technical sense, it could be officially leprosy as we understand it today. But it could also be any myriad of potentially infectious skin diseases that would have existed at the time and do continue to persist today. The key thing about all of this that you need to note from chapters 13 and 14. The key. The priest was not a doctor. That's really important for this law. When a person came to the realization that they possibly had this horrible infectious skin disease and they were commanded to go and show themselves to the priest, they were not going to the priest for some sort of solution to their problem. They weren't going to the priest to be healed. They weren't going to the priest to get some sort of medicine or an ointment or something that they could put on it that might would help them to feel better and might would cause the skin disease to go away. They were simply going to the priest so that they could identify how significant the problem actually was. It's very similar to when you come to your pastor for pastoral counseling. I can't give you something that will make you better. I can just help you identify the problems and tell you about the one who can help you be better. I'm a doctor, but I'm not that kind of doctor. Same thing with these priests in the Old Testament. They were not there to heal them. They were there to identify, hey, you can stick around. What you have is is not making you uh, unclean or you need to get out. You need to go outside of the camp. You're unclean and you need to stay away from everybody. They were there simply to identify whether the individual was clean or whether the individual was unclean. They were not there to heal the leper. Now, 
I want you to see from chapters 13 and 14 the pattern of isolation and acceptance. So there were times where during an inspection, someone was supposed to be isolated. And there were times after they'd been isolated where they could be accepted back into the community because they were declared clean by the priest. And so here's how the inspection works. Summarizing these two chapters, this is how the inspection from the priest worked. Someone is displaying symptoms of leprosy. So... On good faith, by the way, you know, it's not like they were hanging out at the beach in their swimwear in the desert as they're making their way to the promised land. They're wearing long clothes to keep the sun off of them. And so a person could be deceptive and just, I, I've got this thing over here, but nobody ever sees it, so I'm just not going to tell anybody. So on good faith, a person who's starting to display symptoms would go and show those symptoms to the priest. That's what they would do. The priest would then begin looking at the place on the person's body and the priest would give a diagnosis. They would either say, oh, this is not that big of a deal. You're clean or this could be a problem. You're unclean. Now, if the person was declared immediately unclean by the priest, they were moved into isolation. However, if the first examination by the priest was inconclusive, the priest wasn't sure. I'm not sure if this is leprosy or not. That person would enter into a seven-day quarantine, which was followed by a second seven-day quarantine if the inspection after that one was still inconclusive. So up to 14 days. At the end of that 14 days, there would be a declaration by the priest of the person either being clean or unclean. And if the person was declared unclean, as we saw in chapter 13, verses um, uh, 40... uh, 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 Let me flip back there. Chapter 45 and 46. That person was required, uh, chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. That person was required to go outside of the camp, stay outside of the camp, and declare themselves to anyone who approached them as unclean. It was mandated to them to announce this to anyone who came near them. And we have examples of, of this in the New Testament of people doing that as well, because it was a continued law. Now... If a person was, and usually it was considered miraculous, if a person was miraculously healed of their leprosy, because at the time, no one was aware of any natural ways to treat leprosy. They just didn't have anything to to try to do that with. If a person suddenly realized, hey, this is going away, like I'm getting better. They would return back into the camp. They would find the priest. They would show themselves to the priest. The priest would examine them and he would declare them clean. He'd say, look, you're, you're really is going away. You are getting better. You're, I'm going to declare you clean. But in the process of declaring that person clean, there would have to be a ceremony outside of the camp. And so there were these two birds that they would use. One of the birds would die. It's very unusual. They put running water, kill the bird, the Water and the blood would mix and they would use the blood and anoint and and a thing with a piece of wood and a string and some hyssop. And it was just this incredibly unusual ceremony. And the other bird would live. It would get to fly away free as if it were carrying the disease away. Very kind of almost foreshadowing of the idea of the scapegoat later on. One of them dies. 
One of them goes. So this is what we have here with the leprosy thing. Then there would be a ceremonial washing of the individual. And then a series of sacrifices and anointing inside the sanctuary area once those other things had occurred. The blood of the animal would be placed on various spots of the healed person. Right earlobe, right thumb, right big toe. The oil in the priest's hand would be in those same spots. Then the rest of the oil would be rubbed on the person's forehead as a type of anointing. And I want you to note... That because the priest is not a doctor and because he's not there for the healing of the sick person, this is the first time the priest would have touched this person since their initial diagnosis of being unclean. First time. After the person became clean, functionally speaking, they weren't sick anymore. First time. So. Where do we go? Flip over to Mark chapter 1. Flip over to Mark chapter 1. This is where we want to get to. This is what we want to see. We want to see Jesus, the friend of the leper. Because, hear me, a person in Jewish culture struck with leprosy, forced to live outside of the camp while they were traveling through the desert, forced to stay, and that eventually was applied to like city Regions of dwelling and where people lived. Wandering kind of on the outskirts of society later on once they got into the promised land. Would have a very hard time staying alive for very long. Not just because of their illness, but because they can't work their land. They can't raise crops. They can't raise livestock. They can't go to the sanctuary and make their offerings. They don't have a community of people to support them. The best that they can hope for is the kindness of people to come outside of the camp and bring them food. They essentially are stuck in a life of being a beggar. And so they have this horrible, debilitating illness that's already killing them. And now they have no access to the things that they need to stay alive or to stay as healthy as they can because they're stuck outside of the camp. Not even really able to do the things they need to do to feed themselves. The law of leprosy is incredibly beneficial for the community because it keeps an infection from spreading in the community. And is incredibly terrible for the individual who finds themselves with leprosy because they're stuck on the outside. And they have none of the life helps that they need except for the kindness of people as they beg. And so I want you to see here in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45 are the key, but verse 39 kind of gives a setup. It says, and he went into their synagogues throughout all of Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. So Jesus is doing his itinerant preaching ministry among the Jewish populace. And it says, a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him, falling on his knees before him and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, I want us to notice a couple of things in the Levitical context of this conversation that this leper is having with Jesus. Now, it's not explicitly stated here in verse 40, but context of verse 39 gives us some insight. Where was Jesus doing his preaching out in the countryside in this moment or in the synagogues in the cities? In the synagogues, in the cities. Is the leper supposed to be there? 
No. And when a leper approaches a person to have a conversation with them, what is the leper supposed to say? Unclean. But that's not what this guy says. And when the leper approaches a priest or someone who's in authority, why are they supposed to approach them? Because they're already noticing that they're clean. That's why they come back. I'm getting better. I'm here to present myself. I'm here to get reinspected so that you'll know that I can be welcomed back into the community. And yet what this guy does is show up in a city outside of a synagogue of all places where all the religious leaders are going to be. And he approaches a crowd of people because everywhere Jesus was, there was a crowd of people. And he throws himself at Jesus. And then rather than yelling out how unclean he is, notice what he says. He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Which it was common in Jewish thought that the only person that could make you clean if you were a leper was God himself. And here we have this guy. Declared unclean by the whole community. Cast out to die outside of the camp. Forcing his way back into the middle of everyone that's there. And the religious leaders who I guarantee you are contemplating stoning this man to death in this moment. And he throws himself down in front of this Jesus who's been teaching with all this great authority and casting out demons and healing the sick and doing all the wonderful things that Jesus is already doing by the end of the first chapter of Mark. And he looks at Jesus and basically declares that Jesus is capable of doing something that only God himself can do. I'm sure the religious leaders were having a real internal struggle in this moment. Because on the one hand, we probably should start stoning this leper to drive him back out of town. On the other hand, maybe we should just stone him to death for the blasphemy he just spoke, giving attributes of God to this human teacher. I'm sure it was a really confusing moment of conflict in their lives. Of what do we kill this guy for? Putting us all in danger with his leprosy or the blasphemy that he's just spoken? And I want you to notice what Jesus does. (laughs) Jesus was profoundly controversial. Watch this. Moved with compassion. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. (laughs) Now the religious leaders don't know what to do. Who are we supposed to stone now? I'm not even sure. And he said to him, I am willing. Be cleansed. Jesus touched the leper and healed him. Something no priest could ever do in the Levitical context. In fact, the priest would never even touch the leper until he already knew he was clean, anointing him in the sanctuary with oil. It's it's incredible. 
And I want you to see what happens. We don't know how leprous this man was. But if he had genuine, real leprosy and had been outside of the camp for any length of time and 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 his disease was so stricken on him that it would drive him to put himself in danger by going back into town, into a synagogue in the presence of religious leaders, knowing that that might cost him his life. We can suspect we can infer that he was very sick, quite obviously very sick. Because it's driving him to do something that in that culture would be considered completely insane. And it says that when Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I'm willing to be cleansed. Immediately. The leprosy left him and he was cleansed. That's got to be weird. Because now you don't know, like we were thinking about stoning a whole bunch of people and now we don't know what to do. Because I just watched this scaly guy go normal in front of my eyes. It's kind of wild. And then Jesus warned this man. And sent him away. And here's the warning that Jesus gave him. See that you say nothing to anyone. Of course, obviously they're around other people. But go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But instead, he went out and began to proclaim freely and spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but had to stay in unpopulated areas. And yet people were still coming to him from everywhere. I want you to see the difference of what we just read in Leviticus 13 and 14 and what we see here in Mark chapter one. To be accepted as a leper in the old covenant, you first had to be made clean before returning to the camp and approaching the presence of the Lord. You had to wait for healing to come before you could be a part You could not worship God. You could not approach the sanctuary. You could not spend time with the community of faith. You had to stay in isolation because of your unclean condition. In Christ. Christ makes you worthy To approach the throne of God. In fact. When you are in your unclean condition. He approaches you. And touches you. And makes you whole. He doesn't leave you. Where you are in the condition you find yourself in. But he radically and instantaneously transforms you from the inside out. He clothes you with his glory and his righteousness. That's what he does. You don't hear me, friend, this morning. Somebody in here needs to hear this. You 
don't have to clean yourself up to come to Christ. You are made clean by Him when you come. And I think the reason for the small trickle of amens is we don't believe that. I can't go down to where the church folks are. I'm not like them. You know what kind of problems that I have? You know what kind of stuff that I've been through? You know what kind of life that I've had? I got to turn over a new leaf and pull myself up by my bootstraps. I got to get a few things right before they'll accept me down there at that church house. If Jesus is really going to do something with me, I got to get a few things straight in my life first. And then maybe Jesus can like take it the rest of the way for me. Not the gospel. Not the gospel. You know what the gospel is? God, my whole life is a train wreck. There is nothing that I can do to make myself right before you. I am a wretched sinner, unworthy of your love and deserving of your wrath. I have nothing to offer you but my leprous, sinful life. I believe that you can fix me because I cannot fix myself. And if you don't fix me, I am ruined. And Jesus reaches out his hand and Touches you. And he says. To the soul that comes to him this way. To the heart that comes with him with broken humility. Acknowledging the full weight of sin. The word promises Jesus says every time to that heart. I am willing. Be clean. And instantly, immediately, you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Welcomed into the presence of God, not needing any priest to anoint you or make a sacrifice for you because Jesus, the greater priest, has sacrificed himself for you. Man. And friend, this morning, maybe that sounds way too good to be true to you. Maybe... Maybe what you're feeling, and often people wonder why I get so emotional about things like this in the scripture. Maybe you're wondering and thinking and believing exactly what I used to wonder and think and believe. I hear you that Jesus can save. I hear you. That's great. But you have no idea how great my sin is. Surely there's a limit 
or a capacity to Jesus' ability to be able to reach out and touch someone as wretched as me and say, you too can be cleansed. I can heal you too. Surely there's some extent of the glory of the cross and the greatness of the grace of God. Surely there's a capacity line where God says, if you've gone this far in your life, there's no way your leprosy's too great. It covers you too much. You've got parts falling off of you. You've got scales everywhere. I can't actually get through all of that. And thanks be to God, there's no limit. None. However great your sin is, God's grace in Jesus is greater still. It's fantastic. Say, what do I do? What do I do then? You fall down on your knees like this leper. And you say, Jesus, if you are willing, I know you can clean me. You don't make excuses for yourself. You don't justify yourself. You don't try to fix yourself. You throw yourself on the grace of God in Christ Jesus. And friend, he will do something amazing and unexpected in your life. He will actually heal your broken soul. It's fantastic. Say, well, what do I owe him after this? (laughs) Not one Single dime. That's why it's called grace. It's a free gift. You don't pay for it. You don't pay for it. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. Say, what do I bring to my salvation? Your sin. That's what you bring. You bring the darkness of your heart. And the flaw of your life. And the wretchedness of your estate. This is what you bring. You bring your leprosy. That's what you bring. You know what Jesus brings? Healing. He takes that that is unclean. And makes it clean. That's what he does. That's what he does. Say, why? 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 I have no idea. Except that he is compassionate. Well, look, look, I want you to look. I want you to look. We're going to close with this. I want you to see it. Why would he save a wretched, leprous sinner like me? Verse 41, moved with compassion. Friend, I can't explain to you. You think this would like get me fired. Like this should be like point one that I should understand as a preacher theologian. I cannot explain to you the love of God. It is a profound mystery. 
I understand God's wrath. I understand God's hatred against my sin. I understand what it means to be an enemy of God. I understand what it means to stand against his will and be deserving of his judgment and the justice that comes from his hand. Because I understand what it means to be the cosmic committer of treason that I have been in my wretched, sin-filled, leprous life. I do not comprehend at all the love of God. That while we were enemies, Christ Died for us. And friends, the beautiful thing. The beautiful thing about not understanding the love of God. Is that my only response to it is thank you. Because if I could ever get to the bottom of it, I wouldn't appreciate it as much. Oh, oh! this is why you loved me. And this is why you died for me. And this is why you saved me. And this is why you healed me. Here's all the reasons. And we'll list them all out and put them in a nice tidy box. No. Moved with compassion. That's it. The God of the universe. In some mysterious way that we cannot comprehend. It's been moved with compassion. And he reaches his hand out through his son's hand and he touches leprous sinners and says, I'm willing, be clean. And immediately. We are cleansed. Maybe some of you that that's where you are. And maybe some of you, that's where you've been and you've experienced that touch. But for whatever reason, it's become dull to you. It's become dull to you. For the first group, friend, hear me this morning. What must we do to be saved? There's a few different ways it gets answered in the New Testament, but it all boils down to repent and believe. Trust that Jesus really will cleanse you. That's what the leper did. Say, that's way too easy. Praise God. (laughs) Praise God that it's not harder than that. And some of you, that's your life. That's where you've been. But it's dull to you. It's old hat. It's old news. Return to your first love. As Paul says to the Corinthian church, he said, remember what some of you were before you were called. Every once in a while, there needs to be some self-examination where we remember our lives without Jesus. For some of us, that takes a little longer to reach the motivation than others. For some of us, it's pretty instantaneous. Some of us had the one little reddish spot. Some of us had scales all over our bodies. But the healing is the same. And we need to recall God's love for us in Christ.
Christ. Because friends, at the end of the day, Jesus is a friend to the leper. And he will do for you what no one else can do. He'll reach out and touch you and make you clean. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you. Thank you that Jesus is a friend of the leper. Father, thank you that he is willing to reach out to touch that which no one else would touch. To make clean that which no one else can make clean. Father, thank you that all we have to bring is our leprosy. Father, thank you for that. Father, this morning, if there are those who've been pricked in the heart, recognizing their great need of Christ, Father, I pray that by your grace and for your glory, you draw them to yourself. Removing the heart of stone with a heart of flesh, let them be compelled to speak with someone today. And Father, if there are many here who have felt that healing touch, that cleansing power of Christ Jesus, Father, let us constantly and continuously be filled with gratitude toward him. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.